Today on The Breakdown, it's a cash game hand where everyone has a million dollars in front of them because apparently that's what happens in poker now. That's just what we do. Everyone plays with a million dollars in front of them. There's a threat of monster pots all the time. And it ain't just any people, although it's hard to be when you have a million dollars in front of you, but it's Jason Kuhn, it's Elton Sang, and they're going to get a little Vin Diesel on this one, Grant. They're going to get a little fast and furious. Someone's going to be fast, but someone's going to be furious, if you know what I'm saying. Someone's going to end up rich. Someone's going to end up dead, just like Vin Diesel. I don't know what I'm saying anymore, but let's get to it on the breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. I'm glad you brought up Vin Diesel. Oh, really? Glad you brought that up. Yeah. How come? Because because they these guys are like Vin Diesel. One of them will yeah. be like Vin Diesel in that he will start his character arc as kind of a normal person who's a criminal who like steals TVs, and mm-hmm. by the time his character arc is I don't know seventy percent through, he will be able to jump out of a moving car at eighty miles per hour and run into a truck that was going on the other side of the highway at 80 miles per hour and use his back as a shield to stop somebody else from getting hurt because he will have literal superpowers. Yeah. That is the character arc of one of these two players. What the hell happened, man? It's so weird. It's so strange. Yeah. And, th- and not only did that happen, but with the growth of the Vin Diesel superpowers in the Fast and Furious movies, this is a guy who hasn't really seen much of them either. I know you've watched them all. Um, the gro- Also... There's been massive growth in terms of viewer viewership. Like they've gone from like reasonable hits to like the biggest fran- among the biggest franchises in the world. And it's it's really with the growth of Vin Diesel being able to like you know fall 150 feet and like you know on, and land on his back and stuff like that. You know what the what the hell's going on is what I'd like to ask right. you. Right. It's it's kind of weird. Like having watched all of the movies because you know if you want to get drunk and watch a series of movies, Fast and Furious is damn good candidate. It is extremely strange how, how it changes over time because literally the first movie is like, yeah, these guys steal TVs and they're in trouble for that. And they drive, they're good at driving, but like they don't, they can't like punch through a wall or anything. And then by like the fourth or definitely by the fifth movie, there are definitely two superheroes in the movie, which is (laughs) Vin Diesel and the rock who like, they're not noted as superheroes, but they absolutely have superhuman abilities yeah whether or not it's acknowledged and it doesn't make any goddamn sense but that is what happened for sure does it ruin it for you you, like you you surely heard about the thing in vin diesel's contract by the way this is also in jason statham's contract that they're not allowed to lose a fight for example uh yeah you i've heard it from you so okay so that but that's known that's like a known thing does that like in any way ruin any movie watching of that of those guys for you or does it not be a would that not be a thing no, because I don't take these movies seriously at all. Mm. Like it's it's supposed to be tropey and stupid and just like popcorn flick, you know. Like literally, I don't think I've ever watched a Fast and Furious movie while not drinking because I don't ah. see the point. I don't see the point. <laughs> I don't see the point. <laughs> Apparently, Vin Diesel and The Rock hate each other. By the way, which is why The Rock is no longer making movies in the in that series, but still is making Fast and Furious movies with Jason Statham. Apparently, yeah. My understanding is that. Um, not necessarily the accurate understanding. I'm seeing it through the lens of the media and stuff, but yeah. that that it's mostly that Vin Diesel's just kind of a dick and tough to work with. Oh, Maybe really? The Rock just has better PR and it makes it look that way. I mean, The but Rock makes a know. lot of movies and Vin Diesel makes a lot less movies. And maybe part of that is, you know, people like The Rock. Of course, The Rock is obviously a much bigger movie star also, clearly, yeah. right? Like he was in Moana for crying out loud. He's got the charisma, man. He does. That guy's got charisma. He actually does have the charisma. It's true. You know who else does? Mark Testart, who, <laughs> you know what? He's yeah. making a run at Ben Page. It's kind of like Ben Page is Vin Diesel in Fast and the Furious 1. He's like, yeah, I'm the movie star. and now, But now it's Fast and the Furious 7. And Mark Testart's like, guess what, buddy? Everybody wants to see Jumanji. Nobody gives a shit about you. <laughs> like, here I am. I'm Mark Testart, a.k.a. The Rock. And uh, now I suggest these hands. Huh. So, Yeah. He's He's making a run. But it's one thing to make a run. It's another thing entirely to dethrone the goat. You know, like those are two, like, there's many contenders. There are many suitors, but there's, uh, there's only one person who gets to put the ring on that finger, if you know what I'm saying. 
Which you so did. You, yeah, of course. So you're saying, like, just let's just completely mix our metaphors and analogies and go to football. Uh, fine. So I it's kind of like Mark Testard is like Priest Holmes in his best year. And Ben Page is Ladanian Tomlinson, and everybody's like, maybe, maybe Priest Holmes is going to be better than Ladanian Tomlinson. I mean, to just to update it for people who you know, for <laughs> players anyone's yeah. heard of ever, it, like everyone's heard of Ladanian Tomlinson because he's considered the best fantasy football player ever, right? But he's the running back. Um, so yes, Ben Page is Ladanian Tomlinson, and Mark Tessart's like Christian McCaffrey. You know, that's probably yeah, a better okay. thing. Oh my God, these last two years are insane. He's got a chance if he keeps if he keeps us up. For the next 10 years, he could be, you know, the best of all time. Yeah, sure. Good luck with I, that. You know what? I think we probably need a sport with more longevity for this yeah. for this analogy. Because I believe that Mark Testard actually began suggesting things before Ben Page. He's just like slow burn, gotten better and better. And Ben Page kind of came on the scene super hard like two and a half years ago. Mark Testard's yeah. been around longer than that. Okay, but let's not let's not get any further into this. Okay, let's not. But let's cares? talk more about the Fast and the Furious universe. Okay. We can do that. I, no, I got, I got nothing else. But it's, it seems dumb. All right. Let's talk about poker because that's what we're here to do. Jason Kuhn's got a million dollars in front of him. It's not his money. I'm just going to tell you right now. There's no way it's his money. I mean, any of the winnings are partially his money. Okay. But that million is not of winnings. That's just a normal buy-in for these guys at these stakes. That's just 100 blinds. Or I guess it's 150 no, blinds, something like that. Yeah. 155. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but like that's like a normal buy-in. It's a normal buy-in so, at this for these stakes. Everyone has a, everyone has this much in front of them or more, and it's just like what you do. And this is yeah. I'm not putting him down by the way for this not being his money. Obviously, I don't have a million dollars to sit at this game either, and wouldn't expect myself to or expect him to. But yeah, he's obviously doing very well overall. I he's mean, going to play this the, hand pretty interestingly. If it was Bryn Kenny, he would probably put a million of his own dollars there, even if he only had a million five. You know, that's probably it's possible. What would happen. It's possible. Yeah. Anyway, speaking of Mark Tester, one more second, though, he did suggest it on Twitter. Mm. We are the poker guys on Twitter at the number two poker guys. That is where you should suggest hands, include a YouTube link and timestamp it. Mark Tester, in fact, suggested four different hands from one episode. So it is very important that he timestamped it and he did it well. Yeah, we get to do these hands. Indeed. So if you want to suggest a hand for the breakdown, that's where you do it. Let's get to the action. Bring it. All right. Jason Kuhn has $1 million in front of him, approximately. We are approximating the money because it is in Hong Kong dollars. It's not an exact conversion of 1,000 to 1, but it's, it's close, close enough that that's where we're going to go with. Yeah. Because uh, he's got like over a billion Hong Kong dollars in front of him. So we're just going to call it a million US dollars. He's going to open to 16,000 in the cutoff. Uh, the blinds are 3 6 with a 6 ante. And uh, then we got, mm-hmm. he, well, he's got 9 10 of clubs. I guess I should say what his hand is. That's probably important good idea. to know. You're doing your job. Uh, that's a good hand. You know, You're doing it well. I like that. So that's a hand that you would say, let me, let me do some poker analysis for you. Nine, 10 of clubs okay. in the cutoff is a hand when an, the pot is unopened in a cash game when everybody's deep. It's a hand that you would typically open, right? Like you would think that was a strategically sound play. Would you agree with that? I just, I'm just, I'm just afraid that a new listener is going to listen to this and be like, are they, re- he's really asking him that because you made it sound like real. Well, thank you. So, yeah. Well, I've okay for the new listeners. I'm setting something up. Okay. Oh, okay. Yes. So, it's a strategically sound play. Yes, it's an open. I do. I know what you're setting up, of course, because I know what's going to happen. Okay. The next player who acts is Elton Sang, known maniac. I think a very rich man. He's also got a million dollars in front of him. Is it strategically sound, Jonathan, for him to flat call the open on the button? With seven of spades, five of hearts, seven, five off. What's, is that a strategically sound play? I don't know what his strategy is. So it's hard for me to say <laughs> if, if, what he, if to seven, five off money. on the button <laughs> is, within, is sound within his strategy. I know within other strategies, it is not. Like my strategy or your strategy or almost everyone in the world's strategy who's a winning or professional player like isn't going to make this call. That's what I'll say. Now, Elton's saying clearly has a different plan than most people. He makes calls like this all the damn time in this game. You know, I was telling you, like, he calls, like, King Do suited uh, to raises and stuff like that. Not in the big blind. Not when there's already been six people and he's on the button, you know, who are in. Like, just, just things that are sort of 
known and seemingly obvious money losing plays. You know, and as I've said to you, I think he's the fish in the game. Yeah, well, this play would indicate that. I mean, I guess some people would probably defend it because it's not as egregious as something like 9-4 off. You know, it's like yeah. a connected hand. If it were suited, we would have no problem with it, right? It's 7-5 he, off, so... Yep, he's on the button, which actually has real value. He's up against a widish range because the cutoff opened. They are deep, right? They're like 175 blinds deep effective. That's pretty good. There are things you can defend about this, for sure. Now, by just calling, of course... He's letting in the big blind really cheaply, and it's going to be easy for the big blind to call with a huge range of hands. Now he's got to win three ways. That's harder. That's not great. Um, He probably just does better three betting this or folding. He probably just does better folding. But if he wants to play this hand, he probably does. He probably makes more money on average by three betting than calling here. But at least they're deep, and at least he's on the button. Yeah, I mean... I could see how you could hear a lot of different stuff from different poker people if you're Elden Sang and you're like into the game, but you're not super deep into the game where you hear like, well, if you're going to three bet a good player from the button when he opens the cutoff, it's really good to have some blockers and like seven, five doesn't have any blockers. So, okay, I guess I shouldn't three bet this hand, but Mm. we're really deep and seven, five can play well when we're really deep. So I have to play the hand. So I guess I call instead of three bet because I don't have a seven. I have seven, five. Like maybe that's how I came to the conclusion, you know? I really don't know. Um, I know that there are definitely, I'm just thinking about like a poker poker student of mine specifically who I do uh, some coaching with where he was thinking that like whatever your opening ranges were was also your calling ranges pre-flop. And so he thought like the button where you would open so wide meant you were calling with all those hands if someone else had opened, you know, under the gun open. So you're calling with the same range of hands that's, you know, 30 to 50%, depending on who you are and the game you're in, um, that you would open on the button if it's unopened to you when you're trying to steal the blinds, you know, and like, it's easy. I think for someone not to, I'm not saying that Elton saying would think that, um, but like maybe he does get a little confused about some of these fundamental things because we see him making the decision to play this hand at all, you know, and like he could very easily be like, okay, well, I want to have wider ranges than these guys. I want to be able to threaten them. I want to put money pressure on them, but still he could be suited and do it with this. You know, he could choose more suited hands even 7-6 off plays way better than 7-5 off here. You know, having the connectedness of the cards is better. But he could just be calling 8-9 and 9-10 and jack He could just go a little bit wider, you know, to cover stuff if he's trying to cover more of the board. This is just, this seems, this seems bad. <laughs> this seems bad, it okay? okay? It does. I mean, it feels like he watched a lot of Tom Dwan playing high-stakes poker and is trying to emulate it pre-flop, sort of. Like, Tom Dwan did this type of stuff in 2006 on high-stakes poker, and he made it work because nobody else knew what they were doing post-flop. But it was still probably not advisable. And now Elton Sang's doing it at much higher stakes here. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, dangerous with your money against a player like Jason Kuhn to be widening your ranges to this extent. And I would say not advisable. Mm -hmm. Now... To yeah. defend it a little bit because we have kind of lambasted it. It like he's I mean we are very deep. Seven five is the type of hand that has possibilities. Mm-hmm. We are in position. And I know you like to note how in the uh I forgot what they called it, but Sulfur Why did the thing where they had yep. all had headphones on and talked about their thought process. Poker out how, loud, I think is what it was called. Yeah, yeah. How Berkey like lamented over folding Jack Six off on the button to mm. a three bet, uh like a cold three bet where he wasn't even like the opener or anything for a long time and explain why, because I guess ostensibly because he values the button so much mm. and there could be a realm of poker thought and maybe they are more ahead of the curve than we are. Yeah. That the button is far more valuable than we really imagine and understand, like especially in a deep stack cash game. And yeah. maybe there is something to that and maybe calling with seven, five off in 10 years will be considered standard in this spot because of the value of the button and like how your range should be extremely wide in this spot. I mean, it's possible. the question that I would have about this is how many poker, how many times do poker hands go to showdown in a cash game when we're this deep, basically? Like, how often are we getting a showdown? Because if we're not getting a showdown all that much, which I assume we're not really, maybe it doesn't, like, that goes to, like, it doesn't really matter what my cards are. Now, of course, it matters to some degree, right? You want to have equity when you're bluffing on flops and turns or if you're raising or whatever you're doing when you're taking aggressive actions on flops and turns. So when called, you can still win other ways than just bluffing your way home, right? That's something we figured out a long time ago. That's called the semi-bluff. But especially in a game where it's just this big, I wonder how often, you know, we actually get to showdown. And if we don't get to showdown that much, maybe having the button 
and being the crazy guy everyone's a little afraid of, maybe that actually, maybe you can find ways to defend this also where it's like, I don't, it doesn't really matter what my cards are because I mean, I have to have something slightly connected maybe or slightly suited or something, but I don't need to have these like good hands because we don't get to show down much anyway. You know, I'm just going to bet 300,000 on the river and they're going to fold and who cares what I had? You know, Doyle used to say I mean, I... he could play without looking at his cards if, um, if he had the button every time, you know, and, and win. No, I that's think Doyle. that's, I think that's fair. Also, like the competition was a lot different when yeah, Doyle was doing I that. I think you're right. Um, <laughs> Not Jason. And, there, and you make a lot of fair points there, but like, yeah. We're talking about Jason Kuhn that we're playing against. I know. There's no way you can exploit Jason Kuhn that easily. It's just not Agreed. doable. Agreed. Why, why are we picking Jason Kuhn to go after in this spot? This is just the wrong game to do shit like this in, in my opinion. Like, either your opponents are going to be the best players in the world who are not going to overfold, especially to you, or they're going to be the richest guys in the world who probably aren't going to overfold, especially to you. So, like... That means then the plan is sort of out the window. You want guys who are going to overfold to be able to do stuff like this, right? Which you think in a lot of these games maybe you would find, but like it's not even Jason Kuhn's money he's playing with. Like, right. You can't put that much pressure on him. Yeah. Also, by the way, Rui Cow is in the big blind, and he's definitely at least calling now that we've got an open and a call, and he's not going to be easy to get off of anything on any board because <laughs> he is Rui Cow, who is like, you know, not so different than Elton Sang as a player. This is why, again, if we're going to play the hand, we, do, we just should be three-betting it. Like, if we're going to play it, like, yeah. let's go. Like, let's, like, knock out the blinds, put pressure on Kuhn right away, take the initiative so even if he calls, we can win with a C-bet on a lot of flops. You can make a better case, too, that it's harder to range us now. So, like, boards are going to be all, like, reverse. Like, big card boards, which look like they're good for us, actually aren't. Bad card boards, like, some tiny card boards, which look like they're bad for us, actually are. That's kind of cool, especially against a guy like Kuhn. Like, but we're not doing any of that. We're just calling. Cause, and you know why we're calling? It's because there isn't really a strategy here, as far as I can tell. It's just, Ellen Sang wants to play a lot of hands. I think it's what's yeah. going on. And that's fine. I think that's... But that's what's up. That's probably what it boils down to. Anyway, Elton Sang does call on yep. the button with seven, five off, seven of spades, five of hearts. Kuhn is open in the cutoff with nine, ten of clubs. Small blind folds. Rui Cow is in the big blind. He also has a million dollars in front of him. They all have very similar stacks. He's got ten, eight off. He's going to call, which is a reasonable call in this Absolutely. Sn- scenario. Pot is now $57,000. Uh, Kuhn is in somehow incredible shape against these two hands with nine, ten. But that's how it works sometimes. And uh, incredible shape is what you'll be in if you keep clicking those buttons to play nitrogen poker. You know what I'm saying? Finger shape. Yeah, exactly. Like, you're going to really sculpt your fingers. You're going to look like the Jack LaLanne of hand models. Exactly. Does anyone know what that means? You're going to look like the Arnold Schwarzenegger of hand models. You'll be Austrian and a former governor of California of hand models. Yes. Or maybe the George Costanza. Ah, maybe the George, except his hands weren't buff. And that's what we're talking ah. about here. You know, you, you, by the way, if you really want to get your fingers like looking good for, for the summer, for bikini season and, and all that, you have to, you can't just like squeeze a ball. You know, you have to get resistance bands. You have to do it right, obviously. And you have to, pro- it probably helps if you gamify it a little bit. You know, everything yeah. helps to be gamified. So you can gamify it on nitrogen sports. You know what I'm saying? If you use Smart. the link in the description... Of the damn podcast, yeah. there's a link there for Nitrogen. That is the link that grants you access to Poker Guys events and specials, which every month manifests as our super-duper tournament, I think is what they're calling it these days, because we guarantee a 1,000 buy-ins. We never get more than 180 or so players. They cap it at 300, Jonathan. The math adds up to value (laughs) and profit. (laughs) So get in there, you know? Get in there with those fingers, those super strong fingers of yours, and pry some stuff open, you know? Yeah. Here's the thing, though. You don't want to be one-track mind with the finger strengthening because you also, you have to have, like, the small muscle strength along with the big mm. muscle strength so you're not just pure brute force or else you'll be breaking your keyboard and your mouse and stuff. You have to be able to, like, change the level of force you put on, not just pure, like, smash force. You know that's, what I'm saying? That's for people who are, like, you know, going to shows you know, in competitions and stuff. But I think if you're just like living, you know, day-to-day life, I think you can really focus on the, the strength aspect of your fingers. And you'll find opening car doors is much easier than maybe it was, you know, opening pickle jars sometimes. 
Sometimes yeah. you will smash the bottle, of course, because you'll be squeezing it so hard, and your fingers are just... I mean, your fingers are impressive. And this has been a scripted nitrogen poker <laughs> ad. This is a script that they sent to us and requested that we read verbatim. Yeah, verbatim. So, so we thought it was weird too, guys, but they yeah. wanted to do a whole finger joke, strength joke, and so we went with it. We do what they say. We are basically, you know, we're just shills. We, you know, we're a little, we're a little hordes over here, and we do what they say. <laughs> yeah, and they wanted, to, they wanted us to do the finger strength jokes. We thought, it's we fine. thought it was kind of like not related to poker at all, and didn't have anything to do with nitrogen, which yeah, we, also has sports betting and casino games. But yeah, I, it's weird that they really wanted us to go with that. Though. I think it's because it had something to do with, like. There's a way it relates to Bitcoin. Of course, nitrogen's Bitcoin only, and you know, you get your money out in 30, ninety minutes. Ah, like, because the stronger leading. your fingers are, the faster you can trade Bitcoin. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's it. Like you get your withdrawals even faster, like nanoseconds faster. If you like press on the mouse, you click the mouse because your fingers are so strong. It's like they get yeah. there quicker. It makes perfect sense, actually. I see the connections now. It's all coming together. It's like a beautiful mind for me, you know, where the yeah. the equations are floating off the board and are just like in orbit around my head, and I'm or I'm ordering them. You cannot deny either the beauty or inescapability of physics, and that's the perfect example. Wow, where did you get that from? That was incredible. I just kind of came up with it. That was amazing. I That's the best thing you've ever said. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to imagine, like, what was a, what's a fake line I could say was in a beautiful mind that people would yeah. believe was in a beautiful mind? Yeah. And that was that what is, I came up with. That is, if you said, you know, scene three, beautiful mind, I'd be like, okay, like, that sounds yeah. right to me. Inescapability, like, you sold the hell out of that. Sometimes I have my moments, you know? Yep. Well, we Let's were all Jason Kuhn. Let's see if Jason Kuhn will have his, shall we? Okay. Very exciting. All right. So we've got the open from Jason Kuhn in the cutoff. The calls from Eldon Sang with 7-5 off and Rui Cao with 10-8 off. Kuhn has 10-9 of clubs, 57,000 in the the pot. And the flop is ace of hearts, seven of clubs, deuce of hearts. It is not too good of a flop for anybody. I mean, Sang flops middle pair, but it's not an incredible spot for him. Mm -hmm. Kuhn has the ace high board that is in favor of his range. But yeah. beyond that, he's just got two back doors with a seven of clubs there mm-hmm. uh, for his hand. So Rui is going to check. Yeah. This is Kuhn's going to play this one weird. Yeah. We, we talked a lot about Elton saying preflop, but Kuhn's going to play this one weird kind of starting with this place. This is the very, very beginning of it where he checks. Yeah. Seems odd, right? To check on the it, ace seven deuce. I know there's two hearts, but like, I mean, it seems odd for sure. This this is a normal bet for and like almost anyone anywhere. This is a normal bet. Um, if you think your opponents are crazy sticking, you just don't think you can get folds. I guess you could do it, but this is the kind of board where you think. I mean, do we think they're they're calling with Jack Ten and King Queen and Queen Jack and you know four five suited or five six suited and you know like there's so many things I would assume they're folding pocket fours. I mean, I think I assume we're folding out all that kind of stuff. Rui Cow has. Almost any two cards, he called him the big blind, you know, three ways, closing the action. It's like, he does. He has 10-8 off, right? Like, it seems like a bet is just going to win a lot here, right? Also, we have a massive range advantage, of course. We have top set. Kind of no one else does. That's already pretty good. We, we may have middle set, and maybe no one else has that, too. I think they can. But they may be three-betting that a lot, these two guys. I don't know. Like, Yeah. It's kind of a version game. of... It's kind of a version of what you were talking about with uh, you, you wanting Elton Sang to three bet preflop rather than call, where ten nine of clubs not the same as seven five, but it's a, if it's like a ten nine seven board, like that's supposed to favor his opponents, but really Kuhn would love that board, and right. the value in that is not only that he would have those boards on basic lockdown, but he also gets to have these ace high dryish boards where he can represent it. Exactly. So it's a version of that, but he's not taking advantage of it, which is odd. Really odd. Really, really surprising for him to check here. I mean, all I can think of is uh, a few things. Number one, he knows his customers really, really well. And two, he just feels like... And, and part of that goes to, like, he just doesn't think he has very many folds here. It must be, right? If he thought he had folds, he'd bet. Yeah, I, I mean, that. when you have very little equity, though, a time when you have two back doors that yeah. include a straight flush draw and feels a like advantage. the time to do it. Yeah, I agree. It's really, It's a very strange decision. Well, that's what he does. Okay. Well, now that we're here, as Elton's saying, and we have middle pair, and both players have checked, including the aggressor, it feels like we should probably bet to protect our equity, right? Absolutely. It's time to bet. Yeah. That's what he does. He has middle pair. He bets 32K into 57K. Fine. And this should get it done. And, yeah. And uh, that's the breakdown for you. 
And we'll see you next week on The Breakdown. (laughs) Nah, nah, nah. That's not what happens, guys. Rui Cal folds, though. We'll see you next week on The Breakdown. (laughs) You doing like a bit, like a character? Yeah, I'm now moving into character work. (laughs) Okay. See you next week on The Breakdown, everybody. (laughs) All right. So, (laughs) you know, paint me a picture. Who is this guy? (laughs) (laughs) Who is this guy? Who am I? This I feel like he's got one of those uh, like hats made of kind of kind of made of straw that like people from the press used to wear in the 1920s when they were mm. trying to interview the president and shit. And they have like a little those. piece of paper and on yeah. the side. Also, he spends a lot of time at the post office. This guy for sure, like a l- way more time than you, anyone would need to spend. Just at the post like office. saying hi to people, <laughs> saying hi, like using the pens in ways that they weren't meant to be used. Meaning, like right, he's writing with them, but writing on stuff that they're not like they're not. It's not post office business. He's like, what's going on, everybody? What's going on? You know, um, his father's dead, of course. So is his, is his name. He's is orphaned. His name, I feel like I know boy. his name. Is his name Dilly? <laughs> that's his middle name. I mean, that's his nickname, oh. Dilly. But his full but name is. Call him, yeah, it's it's because his his first name is Rudolph, but no one would ever call him Rudolph based on yeah. his voice alone. Yeah, so people call him Dolph, like Dolph Lundgren, and then Dilly, of course, came from that. I mean, you can see the, how that would happen. <laughs> It all makes sense. It's Dylan! <laughs> <laughs> I'm breakdown! See you next week. You know, there are people listening to this right now. They're like, so is the handover or not? <laughs> like, I see there's another 25 minutes or something on this uh, podcast. Are they just going to do jokes or is this, or, or, or is this, this has to continue, right? Someone's thinking that. And I love yeah, it. Yeah, well, the hand's not over. You're in luck. Unless you wanted jokes, then you're out of luck. Mm. Well, there will be jokes, but. They but won't be not the entirety ones. of the podcast. No, of course, the good ones. Who's promising good ones? What are you I talking don't know. about? <laughs> no one. <laughs> All right. So saying is bet 32K. Again, the board reads a seven deuce, one club, two hearts. Yeah. And Jason Kuhn, you would think if he's going to continue in this hand, having taken this line with check raise, right? Trying to rep top set or middle set or something. Did we say, did we say Rui Cal folded? Yes. Good. I was thinking yeah. about Dilly. Please continue. Sorry. Would. Yeah, you would think. Yeah, you would think Kuhn might be check racing if he's not going to fold. Right, because Sang doesn't have a very strong range here when he doesn't three bet pre flop. Like you said, he might not. Especially Sang might not have middle set at all. Right. Maybe he has bottom set. Yeah. He probably has ace seven and ace deuce. Maybe. But that's like combinatorially not that significant. And if he has a flush draw or a weak top pair or middle pair or like a pocket pair like fives or something, it's uh. It's going to be tough for him to continue facing a lot of aggression. Mm-hmm. But so that all makes sense. But Kuhn doesn't doesn't use that. He just yeah. calls. Yeah. He's calling with the 10 nine of clubs here. What is going on? What well, the hell? I, I do have a thought about it. Let me start first by saying we plug this into good old solver time. That's what it's called. It's a, you know, P.O. And uh, it's Pio. And I don't know. Pio. What people say. I, I, always, <laughs> I don't know either. Um, we plugged into Pio and uh, the solver certainly thinks this is a fold for Jason Kuhn. Like, once you play it this way, once you get to the point where you're facing this $32,000 bet on the on the flop out of position in this spot, just throw it away. 99% of the time, it's literally 99% of the time, it's a fold. Um, okay, the only thing I have, and I think this is actually not crazy, though, is Jason Kuhn, as, as I was saying before, knows his customer really well. So that Rui Kao's folded. Rui Kao's the guy, if he calls, he actually has to have something, Right. Elton yeah. doesn't have to have anything. Elton could just be taking a shot here. Number one. Number two, even if Elton has something, it's it's relatively weak range-wise, right? Relatively weak, his range is. Yeah. Um, so Kuhn gets to basically sit back, and if he decides to call, which, again, super strange, admittedly, he'd be doing it because he thinks Sang is actually going to play pretty face-up on the turn. And so if Sang ha- somehow has a set of sevens or aces up or something like that, he's going to bet again. But if he doesn't have that, he's usually going to have a pretty weak hand. Like his best hand is like ace with a bad kicker. Almost always if he checks the turn, right? Um, that's about as good as that's a, I don't know if that's a great plan because I think Sang's going to have a lot of at least double barrels with air that we're just letting him have an extra 32K with. Well, that's the question. I mean, what does it look like? When we flat here, it looks like we have kings, right? I mean, or queens or something. Yeah, but we can change that narrative if we... Like, it's fancy play syndrome for sure. This is like Bryn Kenny level fancy play syndrome. But maybe Kuhn's plan is to check raise the turn because he thinks maybe. that Sang, Sang has a lot of double barrels and maybe he 
bets too many like thin value hands in the turn and also too many bluffs. And I so, wonder. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I apologize. So Kun can check raise the turn, and, and also he has some like incredible turn cards that he can hit with the ten nine of clubs. Maybe it's possible it goes the other way though, and, and Kuhn has just seen this spot enough with Elton that Elton's going to bet the flop and just well, in these spots, and it looks like. It looks like Kuhn has queens here, and then Ellen's just not going to try and get him off queens because Elton knows his, his image is too crazy to get him off a hand like queens, unless he has a hand that he wants queens to call. Um, and so then Kuhn gets to, like, get, not perfect, but gets, get a lot of really good information about whether he should even be trying to, uh, to steal this pot later on. Yeah, I guess That's so. That's all I got. I mean, if you had queens and you were Jason Kuhn, and we check called the flop and saying bet that a non-heart turn, we probably have to call almost any turn, right? Maybe a king is the only card we could decide to fold on. Like, can we really fold on any other card? Maybe a seven. Maybe a seven. Maybe, but I mean, maybe. But like, it's not great. It's not, I mean, it's, it's not like from Elton Sang's point of view, it's, it's really going to be hard to get us off big pairs. So, and what else do we have? We wouldn't play hearts like this, you would assume. We wouldn't play, uh, we play like baby aces, medium aces maybe, um, and big pocket pairs like this for the most part. Obviously, we're Jason Kuhn. We're going to have a balanced range here, blah, blah, blah. But like m- these medium strength hands that are going to hold on against saying, maybe if saying triple barrels, we're going to fold a bunch of those by the end. Fine. But like that's what it's going to take probably for Elton Sang to win this pot uh, if he's bluffing. And so Elton well, Sang may just have like, have they played a lot? And Kuhn may know that Sang just doesn't have that play in him anymore. Like, he just isn't going to try and triple barrel against these medium strength ranges with the image that Sang has. If you know that. That's true, but maybe. I mean, Kuhn doesn't have that hand. He has 10 nine of clubs. He doesn't have queens. <laughs> right, but he's repping queens, is what I'm saying. So then he gets to see if, if what Sang does on the turn and if he thinks he can steal the pot or not from him on the river. Repping queens doesn't sound like a great idea to me on this ace high board. You're saying that your way to rep queens is to say, I'm going to value bet queens on the river. Like, that's the plan. We could also, well, that's a fair point. We could also have like ace five suited, ace six suited, ace nine suited. We could play all those hands like like this very reasonably, right? Certainly, ba- certainly baby aces, ace four suited. I mean, we, would, we value, would we be value betting them on the river? If it goes check, check on the turn against Elton Sang, we might. To, to get called by what? A seven, pocket sixes, pocket eights, pocket nines. I don't know, stuff like that. It's just unlikely. I mean, I agree. What if we had ace 10? This is a stretch. I this agree. This whole theory I'm, of yours is a damn stretch, <laughs> Levy. What if we had ace 10 and we're doing it? Ace 10 is now starts to make more sense, right? Because now we can get called by worse aces. I feel like it's better hands. I think like if if our plan like because we have ten high, obviously our plan is to make a move at some point if we don't improve. Yeah, like, like a and, lot and of if we get the and and if we get the right indication from Elton saying that it's okay to make a move. Mm-hmm. But I think when we make that move, we're not going to be repping these medium strength hands that you're talking about. I know that this check call rep, reps medium strength hands. I don't think that's what we would be repping on the when river. We actually, if we actually make, were to block. when we actually make the move, yeah. Yeah, that's true. But we can make like an ace, a weird aces up sometimes, you know, if like where we just happen to hit the other card. Or we could maybe just have ace queen and be giving like Elton some real rope. And we've done that before. And so Elton knows that. I mean, I'm doing a lot of speculation here, obviously. I mean, if these positions were reversed, I mean, we would never see Jason Kuhn make this preflop call. But if these positions were reversed, we would be absolutely destroying the player in the cutoff right now for making this check call on the flop. No question. 100%. 100%. We'd be like, you have to bet that. It's absurd you didn't bet it, and now it's absurd you're calling with this. What's your plan? Yeah. This is crazy. The thing is, because yeah. it's Jason Kuhn, we know there is a plan. We can argue if the, we think the plan is good. We can try and figure out what the plan is, but we know there's a plan. We know it isn't just weird randomness that he's calling here, right? We know that. Yeah. So we have to give him some credit for having a plan. Like a lot of players, like I don't know that Elton saying when he calls 7-5 off on the button has any plan at all except I feel like playing right now. You know, but I know for sure Jason Kuhn has at least a plan when he check calls in this spot. So I have to give him some credit for that. He's earned that. Yeah. Yeah. We can decide we don't like the plan. That's fine. But that's different than not having one. I mean, I think it could come down to simply that, like you said, he knows his customer saying is going to bet one check two in the scenario almost all of the time. He's often going to have nothing and Kuhn's Mm going to have an opportunity to win later. Like that. Must be but, the plan, but but, but a lot of players so who are really good can recognize that. But then you can't do that every time. That's why you no. you know have distribution and you use different combos for different things. And you would expect this not to be one of the combos that you use for that. But, this also plays so much better yeah. in position than out of position. Like we're basically yeah. hoping that the it turn does. 
goes check, check, and doesn't improve Sang in a way that he wants to hold on. Or the river does, like, Sang gets basically two free cards here, you know. And if he improves in a way that he's going to call the river, that sucks. If he has a good enough hand that he can call the river, that sucks, you know. Like, if he has a flush draw, he gets to get there really cheap. Like, all these things, it just sucks. And we have nine, ten of clubs, which is two back doors, and that's it. Like, we really could stand the eight of clubs to show up on the turn, because otherwise, I don't even know what we're doing here. This seems like for, just a bad play. Or for it to be like a deuce-deuce seven flop instead of an ace-deuce seven flop with the two back doors. At least we'd have two overs and two back yeah, doors, you know? right. Like, we could hit a ten, and it's no good. Like, that's yeah. not cool. Uh, I, I've watched enough of this to know that Elton Sang isn't like going to three bet every ace he has here or anything like that. You know, he's definitely going to flat with some of those too. So it isn't like he can't have an ace, you know, uh, if we knew he couldn't have an ace, maybe then we could play it a little differently, you know, but it seemed, I don't think that's accurate or fair to, to say that about his range. So I don't know. I, it's a really, really strange decision by Kuhn. And as far as I can tell, the the plan is basically, if I don't like pick up, if I don't hit a really good card on the turn, I hope it goes check check so I can steal the river. If I hit a good card in the turn, I'm either going to lead or check raise the turn, right? Like yeah. it's got to be, it's got to be something like that. He can't if he hits the eight of clubs on the turn, he's not going to check call again, right? Like, I don't know. Wouldn't have expected him to do this, right? But that seems crazy. The pot's going to be getting bigger. The the bets are going to be getting bigger, right? I mean, there's going to be over there's going to be over a hundred like 110 k, 111 k in the pot. Actually, 121 k in the pot. So now check calling is going to be. We're going to check call like ninety thousand dollars on the turn. I mean, even even two thirty two into fifty seven is like we're not getting a great price to do this either. You know, it is like Elton bet super small. You know, he bet more than half the pot. Uh, seems seems like. Not something I would recommend anyone to ever do, this play. It does. But he does it. So we've got the bet and the call. Jason yeah. Kuhn calls 32K. Pot's going to be 121K now. Jason Kuhn's got 9, 10 of clubs on the ace, 7-deuce, 1-club, 2-heart board. Elton saying has 7-5 off on that same board. The turn is the queen of spades. Doesn't do anything for anybody. Yeah. So Kuhn checks. This is not a good turn card for him. It looks like maybe it makes him a gut shot, but it doesn't. It's nothing. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. So should Kuhn have a plan to be leading this or check raising it? Or do you think just because it's a bad enough card, it's like, yeah, screw it. I'm done. I think he should be done if saying bets again. I mean, I think he should have probably been done already. But like if, if saying decides to bet again, I think we just have to like, it's okay to get bluffed. We have 10 high and no draw. Like what are we getting? We, he can be bluffing with a better hand and we obviously have no showdown value regardless. Like it doesn't matter. Like I feel like we're just done if saying bets, right? Don't we just have to be done? Yeah, well, we're not done because Sang checks. Yeah, now, this makes a little bit of sense, at least. You know, he's just like, well, I don't know. I'm usually behind, and I guess I'm usually yeah. not, getting him, not, not getting him to fold if I bet again. I think that is <laughs> accurate. Like, you would assume. And the queen is not a great card, really, from, uh, from Sang's point of view either. And that, like, if Kuhn is deciding to, like, hold on with big cards because he thinks saying is really what, I don't know how often that would be the case really quite frankly. Like does he ever really have King queen and just call seems unlikely, right? He seems just unlikely. Now he has nine ten, So maybe actually he does, but yeah, like, I mean, he probably does. Yeah. Right? But like, <laughs> I don't know if we could really think that or, or plan for that, but if somehow we know that he's got some of these weird floats in him too, he's like out of position floats out of nowhere. King queen makes sense as a hand to do it with. Cause like you're saying that at least is over to everything that isn't an ace. Um, and, like, that just got there. Like, that just improved to the point where it's definitely going to call on the turn. Now, we could talk it into folding maybe if we go bet, bet. But the pot isn't huge. We have a showdownable hand. We don't necessarily have to bluff. Like, we're probably losing anyway, and we probably can't get him to fold. I think we should check. I think we should check, and that's okay. You know? Well, also, if we bet again, we're repping a pretty thin range Just saying. Like, we're saying we have, what, ace 10 plus, and we probably three bet a lot of those hands pre-flop? Yeah. I think that is probably right. Like, it's not even easy to bet ace 10. I guess you bet yeah. it, but it's it's not automatic or easy. Maybe we could bet any ace and know we're automatically checking back the river to at least charge draws, but it'd be fine to check those two, obviously. And But even that, even if it's just any ace plus, like, that's top pair or better, like, that's pretty good. That's a pretty strong range really right um and we have like you said we have a seven we have third pair and no kicker and 
I mean, it just feels like we're so far behind in this hand. We're not, as it turns out. But you would think, as Elton's saying, we're way, way, way behind when, when Coons called the flop, right? And the queen comes on the turn. Like, I just don't know how yeah. we're ahead. Is Coon right, ever well, going to play a flush draw like this? You would assume not. Maybe you would he assume would. not. Who, who knows, though? Right. Like, but, but, but from Sang's point of view, you know, unless he knows for a fact that, that you know, Coon's going to show up with a lot of weird stuff here, I think he would just have to assume that a flush draw would would play it differently, and and Coon's got a showdownable hand, which is almost always beating a seven. Yeah, maybe we're beating pocket sixes. Cool. Why would we bet anyway? There's no value in betting against pocket sixes. They're going to fold probably, and uh, they're just going to want to check it down. And we get to win usually on the river, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, here we are. <laughs> here we are, man. And uh, still 121K in the pot. The river is the card Kuhn wanted to see on the turn. Is the jack of clubs. Yeah, it's beautiful. Not anymore, though. Because now, yeah. now the board reads A7, deuce, two hearts, queen of spades, jack of clubs. And uh, Kuhn's going to go for it. He's going to go for his plan. Is it a good idea to go for his plan of, of betting now? Absolutely. Yes. Now that yeah. we're here, for sure we have to bet this, right? Like, what are we repping? I don't know. Ace, jack, pocket jacks, pocket queens. Maybe ace-queen once in a while, maybe ace-ten, maybe any ace. I don't know. It feels like it's jacks and queens mostly, like sets of jacks, sets of queens, maybe a little bit of queen-jack of hearts. I mean, it could be ace-king once in a while. It could be ace-queen. It could be ace-jack. I think it could even be ace-ten after it goes check-jack. I know he's usually going to bet those on the flop, but if he's checking nine-ten and calling with it, he's going to have to do that with some of his big aces too, right? He just has to. So, so if he, he has, has ace-10, he's just trying to get called by a weak race and expecting that Sang's not three-betting them enough for it to be a problem? Well, it's not only that. Sang actually... Sang bets the flop and checks the turn. Sang could have hit a queen. Right? So we could yeah. be trying to get called by a queen exactly. Or, in this case, trying to bluff out a queen if somehow Sang has a hand that strong. Sang has, like, queens and worse, basically, most of the time. But if, if, he, has, if he has a pair, by the way, which maybe he doesn't have any pair anyway. But... With 10 high, we might be losing to that, to whatever he has. You know, he may have king high. Well, I don't know. Let's see if you agree with the sizing then. Because yeah. Kungo's three three quarter pot. Yeah. 90K into 120. That means uh, that kind of makes it tougher for him to have hands like ace 10, I feel. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's a cash game. People bet more of the pot in a cash game than they would in a tournament. Like in this spot in a tournament, this is a really big bet. A cash game, this is. On the big-ish side, but it's more normal. Like, it's, you know, betting... What is he? Betting 75% of the pot. That is a more regular bet in a cash game. It's, it's bigger than average on the river. I don't think it's, I don't think it's a humongous bet. I, I got to tell you. Uh, it is a little bigger than average, but only a little bigger. I think he can have ace-10 here. Especially if, if, know, if, Elton, if Elton's going to hero a lot, I don't know if Elton's going to hero a lot. But if we know Elton heroes a lot, then we could have ace 10 here and bet 90K. Well, if Elton heroes here a lot, we have a real problem as Jason Coon in reality. <laughs> you got that right. You got that right. But we can be trying to get called by weak aces. We can be, we can be betting trying to get called by queens. That's it, really. Is that, isn't that a big problem in this exact scenario? If we expect to be getting called by all of these hands that we have 10 high and this is the line we took? Well... We're trying to fold out everything that's worse than a queen, right? That's, that's what we're doing in this scenario. And we're betting three-quarters of the pot to do it, which means it doesn't have to work a huge amount of the time. So we're probably giving ourselves an okay price to fold up that much of his range. Because he has a lot of pocket pairs. He has sevens for sure. Um, he may have flush draws that missed. You know, Maybe we can get him to fold the queen once in a while when we bet this much. I don't know what Elton's going to do with the queen. I would probably fold the queen. If I was Elton, I would fold the queen here. This whole, this whole thing feels a little button clicky. Yeah, I agree. The whole, the whole thing that Jason Kuhn did, this whole play. Yeah, but I understand why he's betting now, and I understand why he sizes it up, right? Maybe he also feels like, eh, do I, does my story have to be so good against Elton saying anyway? Like, let's just bet enough so he folds a lot. The end. That's my, that's my whole story. I bet a lot. That's my story. I probably have something good. Fold. Fold your medium stuff, right? I guess, I mean, maybe, maybe Sang and Kuhn have played enough together that Kuhn is aware that Sang's check back range in the turn is just incredibly weak, and he's going to fold a lot of it. Maybe that's part of it. I don't know. It, this all feels very ambitious to me, to take this line. I mean, like, especially out of position, it feels problematic. 
You, do you just mean betting the 90K on the river or when you say the line, or do you mean the whole thing? The whole thing. Well, yeah, of course. It's crazy ambitious. It seems like, I don't know, what's, I don't know why you would do it this way, right? Like, we could have, as Kuhn, with the hands that they currently have even, bet the flop. The queen comes on the turn. We're like, hey, that's a good card for my range, too, compared to your range. Guess who has ace-queen? Guess who has pocket-queens? Bet again. Probably win on the turn, right? Cool. Uh, or we could have checked, give up on the turn, and that's okay, too. <laughs> you know, like, because we didn't pick up any equity. That's fine, too. And we lose a small pot. But instead, yeah, I don't there. know. I uh, I wonder if Kuhn's plan was to check raise no matter what on the turn because of the Sang factor. I wonder if he was planning on doing that. That was like his whole big idea. But then he's like, oh, I guess I better take a shot in the river instead. We've seen Elton Sang do some wacky stuff post flop. I'm just thinking about the hand he played against Kuhn a while ago, where they played the biggest pot in the history of televised poker, at least at the time, which was like a two million, more than two million dollar pot, where. Kuhn flopped uh, a combo draw with the four or five of hearts, I'm going to say, something like that. Five, five six, six of spades. Hearts. Five, six of spades, okay. Um, Think, or maybe six, seven, one of those. Oh, was, there was a seven for sure because Elton had king seven off. Uh, he was in the big blind, at least, in fairness to him. And Elton, I believe what happened is Elton bet his seven. Kuhn raised and Elton three bet king seven off. Like, and he just had a, set, a pair of sevens and nothing else. And it was like, what is going on? Super weird. And then Elton bet big on the turn as well. It was really strange. And it felt like he was bluffing, but had a pair also. And when turns out he was ahead anyway. You know, so Elton, my point is just Elton will make some strange decisions post-flop. And so maybe Kuhn is trying not to get into a big raising war with him and win these more like waiting for saying to like show weakness and then pouncing. Because... Elton seems to be like a fair amount of fuck you type of a player, you know, where he's like, oh, you raised me. I raise you back. How do you like that? Now what do you do? Oh, I raise you yeah. again. How's that? Because I don't care. My first name is Elton. Give me a break. I didn't choose that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Maybe I don't know. It has to do with his name. Um, but anyway, now that we're here. Yeah. Because of the weirdness of the line, I know that te- the run out is terrible. Should Elton still consider calling? Because the... Kuhn's line is pretty strange. I mean, I don't think we can really call here. It really looks like he just has, like, in normal reality, it feels like it's sets of queens and sets of jacks. That's, like, basically all that Kuhn is repping well, right, as far as That feels like the most likely reasonable holdings. I do think he can still have some ace-jack and some ace-queen also. If he can have those, he can probably have ace-king. He can probably have ace-ten. Um... And I think you can bet this much with any of those hands. I do. I guess he could have flopped a set of deuces once in a while and checked to let Sang just lose his mind. Although you think it's such a good hand to raise on this board, too, especially against the guy who was just saying, who will raise you back if you raise and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Like, so, you, so maybe you check raise that and not just check call. Um, but you're, you're going to be balanced, and sometimes maybe you can have a set also. I mean, I think he can have all that, that much for value. I think he can still have ace-10 for value. Maybe you don't think so. But even if you say he can't have ace-10, you'll give him the next one up, right? He's not going to have ace-king. He may not play ace-king I mean, like that much on the flop, but he's going to have it sometimes, and then he can play I'll it give him way. the next one up when he gets here this way, but it, I just yeah. don't expect him to get here this way with many of the combos of ace-jack that are available. Maybe one combo. Well, the next one up is ace-king, right? Because ace-jack is yeah. aces up. Um, I agree. He's going to have to play his big aces where he checks them, check calls them on the flop against Elton. Like, that's part of the deal for sure. But I have to believe he's doing that sometimes. And so I don't know what percentage, probably not that often, especially three ways on a two-heart board. But it's not a crazy wet board, having said that, right? It was uh, ace-seven-deuce two hearts. Not ideal, but not terrible if you have ace-king, where we don't have to bet every time, especially against the guy, if we check, who's going to fire a lot and do the betting for us. It's okay um, to check call sometimes. And, and good for balance stuff, too. But how many of his combos reasonably does he have of big aces? Like 20%, 25%? Feels like at max, right? That's the most, yeah. Yeah. So he can't have that many. So then it goes back to, but sets of queens and jacks does make sense. Yeah. Um, and I guess is saying that you always have to try to make a distribution-based decision. I don't know what Singh's distribution looks like here when he bets the flop and checks the turn. I don't know. Like if a seven is is reasonably high in that. Like, well, it I might mean, be. If, he has, if he has air, we can like... There's this bluff distribution and his value distribution. He was betting seven as the seven as protection, right? Yeah. 
So it's a little different. But maybe it doesn't even matter what it was on the flop. Maybe it just matters that now that we're here. If he had bluffs, he would have hit some queens and some jacks. Um, he had, definitely has some aces as well, for sure. A, a bad seven can't be that high in this distribution. It just can't be. Yeah, shouldn't be. We even have the shouldn't seven be. of hearts as saying. Like, we block hearts a little bit. I mean, it's just another... Not that we were going to call either way. We have the seven five of clubs here, but, like, it's just another reason to consider folding is, like, the hand is like, dude... If you really want to, the only hand he even could have in theory really is hearts, right? That we're beating. And like, we have one of those. Except for reality is different than theory. And Jason Kuhn said, I was nine, 10 of clubs, but it works. He wins. Elton Sang folds. And I don't understand poker anymore. It's super, super weird. It's the kind of thing you just can't get away with very often, I think. Right. Yeah. Um, it, it just it, it feels there's like a randomness element to this that yeah I feel like we just didn't figure it out the way we often do when they're superstar players and we do a breakdown on them mm. and they and they like upon first glance have this hand that's like why did he do that and then we do the breakdown and we at least come up with some theories that feel like oh this is super high level because of this right it doesn't feel like it in this case yeah. it, it feels, feels like he's just like playing Elton Sang and expecting Elton Sang is going to fold too much in I, this exact spot. I mean, it may put the fact that this is televised may play into it a little bit too, where he wants to take a relatively cheap shot where like he gets everyone gets to see that he plays this hand this way one time and then it like maybe screws them up for the next year against him a little bit when he check calls and he just doesn't have this hand in his actual range, you know, when they're playing all the other because they play every day, right? They're playing constantly at these stakes against these guys. And so he's like, whatever, like he's playing huge stakes against them. Now they're going to like, give me a much weaker check call range. They're going to, they're going to hear a lot more on the river. If I happen to steal this pot, fabulous, but it's okay if I don't, because the advertising I get on not having it in such a weird way, is going to more than pay off either way. It's, it's actually getting called to me, turning the hand over is really not a bad outcome either. It's better to steal the pot because they're going to see anyway, because you know, we're streaming it out, but like, it's really okay either way. There's value here, but that's only against, I mean, that's the best I got is something like that. And it's not a great, it's not great. Yeah. I don't know. Well, either way, Jason Kuhn gets to win the pot. Good for him. Music is my sunlight and all I need is one mic. And I can show every single MC how it's done right. Every time I come by, I'm bound to leave them so tired. I'm sipping on liquor, a quitter is what I'm not. We got one life and I took a minor break, but I'm back to claim the throne. I'm going to be traveling the globe. We still have time to make it home.